All right, thanks, Ryan. Great morning of hearing the work of God, not only through us, but actually in us. And uh, as John told his story, I was reminded that, that Terry, when we started here as a youth pastor, Terry was a college student and serving in the high school ministry and how God has grown her, now that she is full-time in Germany. And Todd, Todd actually was an unbeliever, staying in a hotel room, read a Gideon Bible in a hotel room that you think, why do they even put those? Read the Bible in a uh, Gideon Bible in the hotel room and came to Christ through that process as well. And so you see that journey, folks. And so I trust that, as Ryan said, God is at work in you as well and that you'll be responding to however the Lord is prompting you because uh, most well-known verse in the Bible, for God so loved the, the world. And so as we love God, we're gonna love increasingly what he loves, and that includes what he is doing around the world. So next week, we have a little birdie in here. Hey, I, I, was that me? Okay. I, I am super glad that you're here uh, and here this hour because, and not last hour, and over in North, because after last hour ended, I went over to speak to someone in the north, and as I approached the auditorium, people were pointing at me and laughing. And I thought, why, why are they laughing at me? And it turns out that we closed the service with a song, and I left my mic on. <laughs> and I've often confessed to you, now it's been proven, great humiliation, as North was looking around going, what's wrong with Matt? And Man, he's flat. And then they saw me turn my mic off, and they were like, oh, Doug was singing in the mic. So I'm glad you're here at 11 o'clock. And if I'm ever singing with my mic on, please turn me off. That is, woo. They said, it's probably on a recording. You can listen to it. And I was like, yeah, I don't need to listen to it. I've heard myself plenty. It's not good. So um, the Lord humbles us all at times, right? Hopefully that will be enough for a while. <laughs> Next week is what I was saying. Next week we are going to do a Sunday called Going Public. It's going to be an awesome Sunday where we will have in every service unique testimonies of how people came to faith in Christ and then they'll be baptized at 4.30 out at the beach. This may sound weird, but you may actually really want to come to more than one service next week. Because we have so many people getting baptized, there's going to be unique testimonies Thursday night, unique testimonies at 8 o'clock, unique testimonies at 9.30 in South, and separate ones in North, and at 11 o'clock, unique testimonies here and separate ones in North. So if you can, like, clone yourself and come four hours, you get to hear them all. But you probably can't clone yourself, but you could come more than... One service. So maybe you want to come Thursday night and hear the stories of God's grace. We'll actually have some folks who can't get uh, baptized on Sunday be baptized Thursday night, and then the rest will be at the beach. So you don't want to miss the stories of how God is drawing people to himself, all sorts of stories, just like we shared about what happened with Todd. So excited about that. Hope you'll plan to be a part. Would you take your Bible now, please? Turn to First Thess chapter 5. First Thess chapter 5, we are in a series called Excel Still More, and specifically looking at seven essentials for excelling as a healthy spiritual family. 
God intends the church to be a, a group of people in healthy relationship, but oftentimes that's not true in the church. But there are some specific instructions in 1 Thess 5 of how we might be healthy as a spiritual family. I won't take the time to review those, but we've talked about roles, we've talked about living in peace, and we've talked about admonishing the unruly last week. This week, we're going to look simply at this. Three words. Encourage the faint-hearted. For us to be healthy as a spiritual family, we have to recognize two things. First, look up here. There's going to be faint-hearted folks among us. We're going to talk about how we know who they are. And then we need to have encouragement for the faint-hearted. If we have faint-hearted with no encouragement, we are not going to be a healthy spiritual family. So that's what we're going to unpack, encouraging the faint-hearted. But first, let's take our Bibles, put them in our hands, and let's declare together what we have each week in this series. Say this with me. This is God's Word, His heart revealed. I humbly declare His ways are higher than my ways, and His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I will not lean on my own understanding, but incline my heart now to receive his word so that I may excel still more in filling the earth with his glory by walking in his truth and loving all people as he has loved me. So filling the earth with his glory by loving. One of the ways we love is we encourage the faint hearted. So let's start with this question. Who are the faint-hearted? Because most of them don't put a t-shirt on with an F on it. Folks who are faint-hearted show up at church every week, but we don't necessarily know who they are. Or they're in our community, or they're part of our family, and we don't know because generally we don't announce, hey, I'm faint-hearted, I could use some encouragement. What we tell ourselves is, I'll just work through it. I don't want other people to know. I feel down now, but I'll get through it. So they don't want to reveal, and we don't encourage because we don't know. So who are they? Well, the word itself, faint-hearted, means this, literally little soul. The faint-hearted have little soul. That doesn't mean they can't dance, that they don't have rhythm. It means that in their spirit, they're shriveled, they're small, they lack one or both of these. They lack courage, they know what God wants them to do, but they're faint-hearted and they're shrinking back instead of stepping in, or they lack endurance. They've been obeying the Lord, but it's been a long race. They just run out of gas, if you will. I think you can understand faint-hearted simply this way. You didn't eat, you went and exercised, or you worked hard, and you just feel drained. Like, whew, it's just... I can't keep going. Translate that physical feeling to your relationship with the Lord spiritually 
that's faint-hearted, or you just, just feel empty, like the tank is pegged E, just, just done, just tired. That's faint-hearted. Here's the deal. Anybody in here at any time can be the faint-hearted. The missionaries, could you ever be faint-hearted? Oh, you're not allowed to be a missionary and be faint-hearted. Oh, could a pastor be faint-hearted? Absolutely. Why? Well, because relationship, sometimes you're just like sailing, and other times you're sinking, right? Just think of the Apostle Peter. Remember, he's out in the boat. It's nighttime. He's with his buddies, and they see a guy walking on water, and they recognize it's Jesus. Peter goes, Jesus, if that's really you, you want to ask him? Bid me to come out. And Jesus says to Peter, it's me, come on. And Peter steps out of a boat, puts his feet on water, and literally walks on water. That's spiritually cruising right there, right? You ever been there? Like, man, I just feel like I'm walking on water with Jesus. But that same guy, within the same night, only moments later, goes from walking on water to his senses going, what am I doing? Look at the wind. Look at the waves. And he goes from walking to sinking. Same guy, same night. If that's true for him, it's true for me. It's true for you. You can be cruising or you can be sinking. So the question is this. Right now, not Not who do you think you should be, not who do you want to be, not who do you used to be. Right now, this morning, where are you spiritually? Are you walking on water or underwater? Or maybe not underwater, just right here, about to go under. Or maybe you're going, no, no, no. I mean, I'm not walking on water, but I'm Michael Phelps in it. I'm, I'm gone after it. Can you, seriously, can you identify yourself here and go, that's who I am. Right now, this morning, I'm not talking about today, I'm not talking about last night, talking about last week, not talking about when you were on your mission trip. Right now, spiritually, can you identify yourself? Some of you can, some of you can't. And if you can't, it's probably because this, you're this one. You're treading water. You're not actually sinking, but you're not cruising either. You're just, just kind of there. That may be where you go, I'm treading water. Here's what I want us to capture this morning. Encourage the faint-hearted. In other words, if you're swimming or you're walking on water, what's your part in this verse? Encourage. If you identified with underwater, our chin barely breathing, our treading water, then simply acknowledge, I am faint-hearted. I am, because if you're treading, if you're not moving sooner or later, you're going to start sinking. God is on the move. We are meant to be on the move. So walk in the Spirit. So, 
how do you get there? How do you get there where you're faint-hearted? Well, it may be as a result of spiritual immaturity. It's not, it's not the fault. It's the reality is you're, you're not developed yet spiritually. You haven't developed your spiritual muscles that you keep going, that you have courage and that you have endurance. My two-year-old little grandson, he can't run a marathon yet. I mean, jeez, what's wrong with that boy? Well, what's wrong with him? Nothing. He is two. Two-year-olds don't run marathons. So if you're new in your faith, you're more likely to more quickly wilt and become faint-hearted. If you've been in the faith for a long time but haven't been growing, you're still spiritually, spiritually immature because maturity isn't an absolute result of time. Spiritual immaturity will lead to, uh, Jesus gives this picture of a plant that goes up and then withers. Spiritual immaturity can be a result of why you're faint-hearted regularly, consistently. It may be the reason you're faint-hearted this morning. Or it may be because of extended hard circumstances. It's not that you don't have endurance. It's just like, wow, life for a long time seems like the uphill version of the heart bridge. And you keep thinking, I got to get to the top soon. And it's just... never getting there and you kind of go am I ever going to and the top's not in sight the hard's not going away and you're faint-hearted that is why a missionary or a pastor anybody can become faint-hearted mature or not so it's simply acknowledging either I need encouragement or I need to Give encouragement because when I don't need it, somebody else does, and so I need to be ready to give it. This is the privilege. Encourage the faint-hearted is the reality that every single one of us in this, in these simple three words, get to be givers and receivers on any given day. It's the life together. And spiritual health at Christian Family Chapel is when faint-hearted are ready to receive encouragement and those who aren't faint-hearted are prepared to give it, knowing that there'll be a day where I'm faint-hearted and I will need encouragement. So it's, it's not the, the strong and the weak. And everybody gets in a category and they're in that category forever. It's life. Encourage the faint-hearted. So how do you know if someone's faint-hearted? Because, like we said, they don't put on a T-shirt. You know what a tell is? Those of you who played poker, you know what a tell is? It's simply, in cards, you give a tell. In other words, when somebody has good cards, they start to do something. Like Jackie and I have this friend that when he gets good cards... We've told him now, so he tries not to, but he used to always give himself, he'd start whistling. <laughs> and he might even hum, and sometimes he would sing. When he's singing, you know his cards are really, really good. 
And he didn't know he was doing it. We, we literally, finally, we made fun of him. And it was like, seriously? And I was like, uh, yeah, we know what your cards are based on whether you're humming or not. So do faint-hearted people have tells? Yeah. I, I, I think they do. I think there is the tell of weariness. In other words, when you're weary, weary people are more quick-tempered. Weary people are more critical. We like to say it this way. Oh, my, it's just their short fuse. Goes off. You go off a little faster. Now, if you're always impatient, that's not faint-heartedness. That's immaturity. But if someone who is normally patient is impatient, or someone who is normally positive is critical, or someone who is normally, you know, resting in truth becomes cynical, when someone who is more stable becomes more prone to outburst of anger, that's a tell. In other words, it's an outward sign that something's going on inside. We should watch for it. Because they're not going to probably tell you, hey, I need some encouragement. They're just going to demonstrate by their actions. The tank's empty. The faith tank's empty. The spiritual tank's empty inside. The more telling tell, if you will, is the tell of withdrawal. Because this is, this is where almost all of us go when we're faint-hearted. We go away. We say things like, well, I just don't really want to be with them. I just want to withdraw. I just want to isolate myself. And that's never, uh, the scripture warns against that. That's never helpful to withdraw. Now, if you withdraw to be with the Lord, that can be helpful. But that's not usually what's happening. It's just, here's what's happening. Can I just voice it for us? I'm faint-hearted, and if I'm around people, then I'm going to have to work at acting like I'm not, and I don't want to have to fake it, and I don't want to have to act like it, so let me just stay away. Let's just skip family group. Let's just skip church. Let's just stay home. How do I know? Because I know. So withdrawal is a huge tell. And it's not going in the right direction. I don't know if you've heard this before, but loneliness has the same impact on mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes a day, making it even more dangerous than obesity. See, if we... If we recognize this about loneliness, if we had a friend who was smoking 15 a day, we'd go, whoa, you're headed for a very clear future. We'd, we'd want to. But we ought to be as committed to not allowing some to withdraw as we would somebody smoke 15 a day. Former Surgeon General, loneliness is a growing health epidemic. We live in the most technologically connected age in the history of civilization, yet rates of loneliness have doubled since the 80s. Folks, it's not unusual. 
If you think it's weird that you're on your phone scrolling constantly or you're on your computer constantly and you're interacting with people but then still feel lonely, that's not unusual. That's not real. So I'm not against all of that. Just don't excuse, don't call it something it's not. It's not connected. It's not relational. So loneliness, and this isn't just some science. What's the script? The scripture says, don't isolate, don't separate yourself. Don't forsake the gathering together because withdrawal will not help your faint-heartedness. It will keep you stuck in it. And it may, potentially, and we'll see this in a bit, it may lead to even worse than faint-heartedness. So, what does faint-hearted need? It's really obvious. Said it right there. What do they need? Encourage the faint-hearted. And the beauty, folks, the beauty of this word is this. It's the, the original Greek word for encourage is a combination of two words. The first meaning come alongside, para, like the paraclete, the Holy Spirit comes alongside, dwells within. Encourage means to come alongside. And the second part of the word means soothing words, to speak. So what is encouragement? Encouragement is a combination of presence and words. But I want to make sure you understand that presence trumps words. It's not that they, you don't need words. It's a little bit like encouragement to the faint-hearted is like water to the thirsty. And water is not just hydrating and it's just not oxygen. It's H2O. Encouragement is words and presence. And we tend to think first, well, I, they need encouragement. And we think, what am I going to say? I don't know what to say. I don't know how to encourage. I don't know what to write. What should I say? And actually, encouragement is first about being present, second about what you'd say. I, I can just tell you my personal experience. 18 months ago, 6 o'clock in the morning when I got the call about my dad being found dead on his front porch the night before. Kind of shocked and Jackie stepped in and started texting family, um, our family in town here, knowing about it, and some of our friends. And, and I got some nice text. But nothing like my oldest son sitting in the back here. My oldest son, Clay, didn't call. Just showed up. Just came and sat with me. Another friend didn't text, didn't ask for permission. Just came, not to our front door, our side door, and just walked on in, which is the way he always does. 
And he, and he walked in and gave me this phenomenal speech. No, he didn't. He walked in and he gave me a sausage biscuit. That was a great speech. And he, he just sat there with me. A little later, another friend didn't ask. He just showed up. And we sat down by the water. And he talked about what he felt when he lost his dad. And the guy who brought the massages biscuit talked about what it was like when his dad died. It's about presence. My daughter-in-law, our little grandson Tatum, had to go to the hospital. <clears throat> it's kind of funny. I, I went down that morning, and there's two other ladies, Roxanne, my daughter-in-law, and myself. And I was, I was like, I felt a little funny here. And especially when you go to the hospital and you're the pastor, you're like supposed to do something cool or like, you know, pastoral. I was just, I was just like, uh, I don't have anything like wow to say. I just sat there, and the ladies were like, yeah, yeah, talking up. And I felt honestly... I was grandpa, but I still felt a little silly. But Roxanne, your words to a couple weeks ago, just presence makes a difference. Now, don't stay forever. Don't be that guy. <laughs> Show up, give something, maybe help, but then sometimes we... We don't do this well as a culture. We live private lives now. And nobody drops in anymore. And some of, this, some of you may go, ooh, don't be dropping in on my house. Uh, actually, in moments like that, when friends stop by, that is God coming near. That's, that's what's happening. So think presence before you think words. Now, I'm not saying don't think words, but think presence first. It's the tangible reminder you are not forgotten and you are not alone. Which when you're faint-hearted, it's often what you are feeling and it might be what you are thinking. Your presence speaks powerful words without ever speaking. You're not forgotten and you're not alone. When you do speak words, speak words that are true. That might sound obvious, but sometimes we try to encourage people by saying things that aren't true. And that, that's no good. That does not encourage. Because people know that's not true. You're just trying to make me feel better. And that doesn't make me feel better. Truth. Truth is the ointment. But please, please run the truth through the filter of compassion. Compassion. 
You may be familiar with the man in the Old Testament named Job. Job had harder than any of us could ever imagine, hard. And he actually had some friends who understood presence. They showed up. But their words totally missed the mark. You see, words that are truth-filled and compassion-filled, that speaks to the faint-hearted. About 10 days ago, I'm with a guy whose wife had just died. And I think our presence was meaningful. But I wasn't offended at all when he said, you know, who I've really enjoyed being with. And he named two people whose spouse had died. Why? Because the best I could tell him was truth as I can imagine it. And those two people could speak truth as they had experienced it themselves. It's powerful. Presence is powerful when it comes in truth wrapped in compassion. Faint-hearted people don't need answer people. They need present people. Truth in compassion. Because I want us to understand something I don't think I ever captured this before, but when I looked at verse 14 of this, 1 Thess 5, it says, admonish the unruly and encourage the faint-hearted. And you know what sometimes we, I don't think we intentionally, but sometimes we unwittingly do? We get our wires crossed and we admonish the faint-hearted. And it's like kicking a person when they're down. Admonish the, who? The unruly. But folks, don't admonish the faint-hearted. Encourage them. Why? Because, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but the, when, when you are faint-hearted, what did we say happens? We become uh, more on edge, we can become sinfully angry, we can become impatient, and the deeds of the flesh can start to overflow from us. And what we need is this, is we need encouragement while, while we are faint-hearted because it's not that much of a step to go from faint-hearted to unruly. And now there has to be admonishment. But what if we would have been wildly committed to encourage the faint-hearted so that the faint-hearted did not become the unruly? I had never seen it before. But here I am convinced. An increased commitment by each of us to encourage the faint-hearted may actually result in a decreased need to admonish the unruly because the faint-hearted would be lifted up instead of forgotten and abandoned and beat up and 
become unruly. Now, I'm not saying that that will be perfect. It would never need, we'd never need admonishment. I just think that admonishment becomes necessary more when encouragement is lacking. We could really love one another well. See, can I give you that? Could you capture that? A vision for going. All of us understand preventative medicine, right? Let's do this so we don't have to do that. And I think that's what encouragement is. Encouragement is preventative medicine so that the, un, so that the faint-hearted don't become the unruly which need admonished. Excel still more. I can do better. We can do better. At this. And then we won't have to do this in the same way. I thought, man, good connection, Doug. And then I read this scripture, and I was like, oh, there it was all the time. I just never connected it. Encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today, so that none of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It's right there in the scriptures. If we will encourage one another, we will help people not get trapped in that hardness of the deceitfulness of sin. Now, people walking on stage has your curiosity. I see it in your eyes, like, what's going on now? When should we encourage one another? (laughs) What's today? Today. So we literally want to do this today in our presence here. So, have you ever been faint-hearted and scripture, a particular verse or a couple verses spoke to you and encouraged you? If so, now you don't have to make something up, but if so, if your genuine experience was the scripture spoke to you and lifted you up, I'm going to invite you. So come on up here and read that scripture for us. No commentary and no story. I'm sure there's a great story. We just save that for your family group. How about that? Just step to the mic and read the scripture. You can tell us the reference. Step to the mic, read the scripture, and step down. And the next person will step up and read the scripture. I'm convinced the scripture will encourage the faint-hearted who are here this morning. And nothing better to encourage with than what you were encouraged with. Because now it's real. It's not fake. It's not just some theory. You have tasted the encouragement of the Lord and you're going to get to read it to somebody else. So, They're going to play a verse and a chorus. While they're doing that, I'm going to invite you men and women, come right up here, get in line, and then I'll direct you and just, again, no commentary, please. Just read the scripture that we would be encouraged. They're going to sing. You come on up. Father. 
Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. There sin, therefore, since we have such a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Nahum 1.7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. Second Corinthians 10.5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Psalm 27, 13 and 14. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isaiah 42.6 I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you. Psalm 46, 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Second Timothy 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. <laughs> Sorry. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Jude, Jude 24, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through the Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. I know the story on that one. It's a good one. Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Mark 9, immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe, 
Help my unbelief. Philippians 4.19 And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. All your Hebrews, sorry, Hebrews 13, 5, 6, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake. Those who trust in the Lord for help will find their strength renewed. They will rise on wings like eagles. They will run and not get weary. They will walk and not grow weak. Isaiah 40, 31. Proverbs 11:25 A generous man will prosper he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed Let's stand together please I will rest in your promises my confidence is your faithfulness I will rest your promise is my confidence. So faithfulness, I will rest in your promise is my confidence. It's your faithfulness, faithful, faithful, you God as it speaks to our heart. This is one of the places we are tempted to withdraw from. I hope you're encouraged. It's living water that when you're thirsty, you would go to it. And so uh, if you're into uh, social media, I want us to redeem it with this little hashtag, CFC514 it. Uh, 514 is our verse, 
encourage the faint-hearted. Some, some of you just read some scriptures so personal to you. Some of you wanted to, but you were faint-hearted and didn't come up and read it. <laughs> but you could type it up and hashtag it, and the faint-hearted could put this hashtag and be encouraged. So simply 514 it. That's post-scripture that would encourage the faint-hearted because every single one of us at any given day might move from walking on water to, to sinking, to underwater. And we can help one another. We can encourage one another. So hashtag it, CFC 514 in it. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls us, and he also will bring it to pass. He will. God bless. Have a great week.